Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week so far. Today we are talking to our friend Steve Dace. We're going to be talking about a few things. We're going to be talking about the uh, metaverse church. I don't know if you guys saw this. It's like a Sims game where you can attend church as like an avatar and there are differing opinions on this. Is it good because you're reaching more people? Is it bad because it's taking away the in-person opportunity that people have to fellowship and do things that we're supposed to do together as Christians? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his new book, the need that we have uh, for boldness and preserving the freedoms that seem to be on the precipice of vanishing, not just in the United States, but certainly around the world. And then, of course, we are going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about some of the COVID numbers, some of the restrictions that we are seeing come down the pipeline. What's the truth about Omicron? All that stuff. And then also, he has a book that is turning into a movie, and there's been some drama surrounding the production of that movie. And so we're going to talk about all of that. Now, before I get into my conversation with him, I do just want to talk about some of the specific numbers of COVID that we are not going to get a chance to get into with him because he's mostly going to be offering his analysis and commentary, but I do kind of want to set it up. And look, I understand we're tired. We are tired of talking about COVID. I am tired of talking about COVID. I don't want to talk about COVID anymore. But this is something that's affecting people's lives, not just people who are getting infected by the virus, but who are affected by the uh, the policies and the rules and the mandates and the passports and all of the things that are being put forward in the name of public health and safety. By the way, authoritarian measures are always done in the name of public health and safety. It's so funny when I see people saying, for example, vaccine passports, vaccine verification for five-year-olds in New York City, which has been blocked by a judge, but was tried to, uh, de Blasio tried to put it into place a couple weeks ago when I see people online saying, that's totally unnecessary, this is not good, this is authoritarian, this doesn't seem to be illogical. And then you get the retorts to that saying, this is for our health. Why are you so terrible? Why do you not care about children? Yeah, authoritarianism always has the pretense of benefiting society. That's not really the point. The point is, Is this the role, the responsibility, the right of the state to infringe upon people's rights to move and live and eat freely? I mean, that's a significant question. The question really isn't whether or not it's going to keep people safe. The question is whether or not the government has a role to do that. And if the government takes responsibilities that they don't have and and infringes upon rights that we do have, then there are going to be very dire consequences to that action, even if in the short term, it seems to keep us safe, which by the way, vaccine passports for five-year-olds will not keep anyone safe. It, it won't. There's no logic. There's no science. There's no data backing that up. So now we have Omicron, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. What we're seeing apparently so far is that people aren't really dying from Omicron, although it's going to take a little bit to see if that is true over the next couple of months. It seems to be more transmissible, as the WHO says, if we can even trust the WHO who covered up the origins of this mask to begin with, as we talked about from the beginning. Uh, But apparently it is not quite as deadly 
Whereas with Delta, we saw higher transmissibility. We also saw a higher death rate. But even with that, it wasn't the it, it, it wasn't the severity that we were warned about with Delta. That's not saying that the people who died with the Delta variant don't matter, that their lives aren't valuable. We're just looking at the numbers. We're looking at the data. And a lot of the doom and gloom that we have seen from the beginning hasn't come to fruition. Again, I understand hundreds of thousands of people have died in the U.S. I understand millions of people have died worldwide. I'm not saying that this is a virus that you shouldn't have any concern about whatsoever. I'm just saying when you're making policy, you do have to weigh the risks and rewards. You do have to look at things like hard numbers to ask yourself what makes sense here. And it seems like a lot of our politicians haven't looked at those things or they have looked at those things and they have just simply nefariously put in restrictions that limit people's liberty because they want more power. Of course, we can look throughout history and we can see that that is probably true. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Lord Fauci, told CNN on Tuesday that Omicron will for sure become the dominant strain in the U.S. given how rapidly it is spreading. So that may very well be true. But of course, around the world, they are not seeing, like I said, an increase in death and hospitalization rates because of this particular variant. And yet we are seeing countries uh, put restrictions in place in the name of helping people. So we've seen Austria impose criminal fines up to $15,862 a year for those who refuse the COVID vaccination. That's supposed to take effect in February. In Australia, we are seeing people placed in quarantine camps, even despite negative COVID tests. In Germany, ritual humiliation, this is according to Fox 26 News, uh, ritual humiliation of children in Germany is happening where kids are apparently are forced to go, they're forced to go to the front of the classroom and state their vaccination status. Kids who are vaccinated are apparently applauded while kids who are not uh, vaccinated are not applauded. Hmm. You would think that Germany would understand the danger in dehumanizing and segregating uh, parts of their population and punishing parts of their population based on a particular status, but I guess not. They have also imposed new restrictions on gatherings. Uh, culture and leisure facilities are now accessible only for people who can prove full vaccination. By the way, the definition of full vaccination keeps changing. About 16 to 17% of the country has already gotten booster shots. Now that is considered full vaccination. What you're going to see is people who got the two doses of the vaccine say, whoa, 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 I was told that I could do this and it'd be done. And now you're telling me I have to get even more doses of this vaccine. You're going to see even more pushback. And I saw a tweet that I appreciated that said, those of you who are now just now realizing that forced vaccinations and restrictions based on vaccination status is bad because you are part of the group that only has two vaccinations. Uh, those of us who have been against vaccine mandates and restrictions this whole time have always had your back and we're glad that you are now joining the team of rationality and sanity in Italy. Um, Italy is to impose super green pass COVID restrictions on unvaccinated. This is also happening in the UK. Unvaccinated workers must come clean to employers under new COVID rules. That is according to Telegraph. They have also just voted to implement vaccine passports, according to Ian MSC on Twitter, who we talk about a lot. We cite his graphs that he makes based on publicly available data. He talks about 
on Twitter that the UK just implemented these vaccine passports in addition to other restrictions. And then he gives a graph starting, I think, in the at the end of January in 20. Yep. In 2020. And he looks at the UK case rate per day and in the graph, he places all of the dates of the different mandates that were put in place, mask mandates, and of course, these new restrictions. And he shows that there was no change in the case rate. The case rate did not go down when any of these mandates were put in place. And yet here they are putting new mandates in place, hoping, I guess, that this time is going to be Difference. Now, this is all having a severe effect on people's mental health, including children. And I want to get to that in just one second. First, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. That is Annie's Kit Clubs. Annie's Kit Clubs are a fantastic way to build lasting memories with your kids while encouraging their creativity. They send all the special supplies and instructions you need for your kids to make something awesome. Kids arrive. Kids arrive. I always say kids arrive in your mailbox. This is not a subscription service for kids to arrive in your mailbox. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Kits arrive in your mailbox once a month and are super convenient. Annie's Kit Clubs for Children are designed so that your kids can make them on their own, but they're also a great opportunity for the family to spend quality time together. They've got the Young young Woodworkers Kit Club, which sends kids real hammer and nails construction kits. They've got the Creative Girls Club, which sends a variety of projects and introduces your girls to new crafts with every shipment. Every month, she'll receive two fun kits with different crafts like painting, beading, and more. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash alley. Save 75% off your first shipment. That's Annie's Kit Clubs dot com slash Allie, Annie's Kit Clubs dot com slash Allie. So this is according to the New York Times. This is the headline. Across the world, COVID anxiety and depression take hold. This sense of endlessness accompanied by growing psychological distress leading to depression was a recurrent theme in two dozen interviews conducted in Asia, Europe, Africa, and the Americas. Among adolescents and young adults stuck on their screens, often unable to uh, unable to date over the past two years, inundated with online friends, but short of actual contact, anorexia and bulimia have spread. How devastating, said Miss uh, Melchior. I think that's how you pronounce it. The French epidemiologist who focuses on mental illness in France, depression and anxiety are at about twice normal levels. The Surgeon General in the United States warned the young people are facing devastating mental health effects as a result of the pandemic and other challenges experienced by their generation. It's not a result of the pandemic. It's not. It's not a result of COVID. They are not having depression. They're not having eating disorders. They're not struggling with their gender identity and all different kinds of psychological confusion and trauma because of the pandemic. The They are struggling because they have been isolated in their homes, because a lot of them have parents that have been living in paralyzing paranoia for the past couple of years. They have parents who have put restrictions on them for no reason, because they have a at most a 0.03% chance of death from COVID. They're struggling because of a lack of normalcy, because of a lack of stability, because parents have put their fear before not just parents, because most parents are doing the absolute best job that they possibly can. Most parents have tried really hard to create a very stable and normal environment for their kids, liberal and conservative alike. I should say adults, politicians, some teachers, uh, the teachers unions have put their fear above the well-being and the health, especially the mental health of young people. 
we have sacrificed the stability and health of young people for a pretense of safety and protection for the old and the infirm. That's not how society is supposed to be ordered, and yet that's exactly what we have done. Uh, The same goes for cognitive development for young children. There is a new study showing that children born during the pandemic score lower on cognitive tests, the study finds. Um, A study of 672 children from Rhode Island that has run since 2011, those born after the pandemic began uh, after the pandemic began, showed results on the Mullen scales of early learning that corresponded to an average IQ score of 78, a drop of 22 points, 22 points from the average of previous cohorts. Scores among children born during the pandemic began to decline in 2020 in an early com- uh, composite that measured fine and gross motor control, visual reception and expressive and receptive language. But it was in 2021 that the developmental deficit became significant. The effect was larger in boys than in girls. Um, this is according to uh, one of the authors of the study, Uh, It says we do have some preliminary data that we're working on in a separate study using miniature recorders, which the infants wear on their chest, which measure the interaction between the caregiver and the child. And what we are seeing anecdotally is a significant depression in the number of words spoken to kids. And as you can imagine, a massive increase in TV exposure and a decline in meaningful conversations, time spent engaged with the caregiver is way down, which is absolutely devastating. This also has to do with masks. Like we know the American Academy of Pediatrics, before they became politicized, they put out a 2013 study about the importance of smiling to your infant and the importance of uh, seeing, of the infant seeing your mouth move when you are forming words. And now you've got a bunch of kids who are uh, still in daycare or they're still in school where their teacher or their caregiver is wearing a mask. In some cases, even the parent is wearing a mask. That is going to have a huge long-term effect on your child. And if the other students, the other kids are wearing masks, that is going to have a huge long-term developmental social impact on your child. If you can, if your child is currently in a setting where they are surrounded by people wearing masks, if you can, I know this is not possible for everyone. You need to try to change their setting. You need to bring them home. You need to put them in another institution that is not requiring this. This is a form of psychological abuse that we are seeing among kids. And I know that a lot of people think that they're doing it for their safety, but there is no data showing that cloth masks are helping kids not get the virus. And guess what? Even if they do get the virus, it's going to be mostly, I know not every time, but it's going to be mostly sniffles. There are other viruses that are circulating, even though a lot of people are still wearing masks like RSV. That's going around. It's raging again, just like it did over the summer. Kids are being hospitalized because of that. And yet we have no mitigation strategies in place whatsoever to try to prevent kids from getting that. Only this virus that seems to have a a very uh, light uh, impact on them and on their health. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. The risks to... The so-called mitigation strategies that we've put in place uh, seem to have way more risks than rewards for adolescents. Once again, we are placing kids on the altar of adults' wishes, and that is not how society is supposed to be ordered. We're also seeing emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts among people aged 12 to 25 years before and during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are seeing that those numbers are much higher from uh, 2020 to 2021 than they were pre-pandemic. 
they're up significantly, especially ages 12 to 17 years old, especially among young girls. This is according to the CDC. And so again, we are not doing a service to our kids. Everyone who is talking about, oh, we get to go back to normal when I vaccinate my kids. Oh, we get to go back to normal when more than 60% of the country is vaccinated. First of all, that's not going to happen. Your kid can't wait. Okay, there's no time. There's no time. And if you fumbled the ball so far by allowing your kid to be paralyzed by paranoia, allowing your child to be placed in a setting, unfortunately, and I understand not everyone has control over this. But if your child has been negatively impacted by this so far, then you need to make every effort as a parent. It's our responsibility to put your child in a situation that is as normal as possible, as interactive as possible. They can have real life interaction. They can have meaningful conversations. I know I've been talking about this on social media a lot, but your child having unrestricted access to social media and the internet is damaging to them psychologically. It's damaging to them morally. It's damaging to them emotionally and spiritually. As the parent, we have to put those boundaries in place and place our kids in situations that's going to make them smarter, that's going to make them kinder, that's going to make them wiser, more whole and healthier. That's our responsibility as parents. And unfortunately, the state, as it always does, has fumbled the ball because the state doesn't care about your child, but you do, as we talked about yesterday as well. Um, All right. There's a lot more that we could get to. Also, drug overdose deaths uh, top 100,000 annually. That's a big deal. That hasn't happened in a very long time in the United States. And so mental health is not doing well. It was already not doing well before COVID. Now it's definitely not doing well. And so this is an opportunity not just for parents to step up, but especially for Christians to step up to make sure that we are opening our doors to everyone, to make sure that we are fellowshipping in person, to make sure that we are bold about the hope that we have in Christ. Like this is the opportunity for the church to be a refuge of love and fellowship and uh, hope and boldness and bravery and courage and clarity, all of the things that people are trying and failing to find inside themselves in the world and from the government, the church must offer it through the power of Christ. And that is how we are going to start the conversation with our friend Steve Dace in just one second. First, I've got to tell you about our second sponsor, Fundrise. So in 2021, almost 2022, a truly diversified portfolio needs more than the traditional mix of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. It needs private real estate, and that is available, accessible to you through Fundrise. Fundrise provides access to diversified portfolios of private real estate to all investors with their industry-leading, easy-to-use platform. Whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or prefer long-term growth or appreciation, Fundrise makes investing in private real estate as easy as investing in stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. Their team of real estate professionals carefully vets and actively manages all of their real estate projects. With their easy-to-use website, you can track your portfolio's performance and watch as properties across the country are acquired improved and operated via dynamic asset updates. See for yourself how 150,000 investors have built a better portfolio with private real estate. It takes just a few minutes to get started. Go to fundrise.com slash relatable. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E.com slash relatable. Fundrise.com slash relatable. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. We've got a lot to talk about per usual. First, can you tell us about your new book and also tell us how you write a new book every three months? <laughs> um, well, our new book, uh, which you were uh, kind enough to endorse, which I appreciate, uh, it's called Do What You Believe or You Won't Be Free to Believe It Much Longer. And 
it's it's kind of an update and an homage of Francis Schaeffer's classic from 40 years ago, The Christian Manifesto, which which really shaped uh, a lot of um, contemporary Christian political and and cultural engagement in the 1980s and 90s, and in, and had a lot of influence there. And certainly not claiming uh, to walk a mile in those moccasins, but I just kind of looked around and and thought, you know, we could use some updated tactics given the fact we're facing a, a next level assault on the culture. I mean, when you see stats like 40 years ago, 40% of American households were married with children. And today the number is 18%. Yes. That's death of that's death of the West kind of stuff. Okay. And and so when you look at big tech censorship, so even though we've got increasing information and data out there showing whether no matter what your 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 countries or states uh, jab rate happens to be, uh, it doesn't really affect the spread of COVID whatsoever. So, of course, in response to that, Twitter says we we may start banning people who claim that vaccinated people can spread the virus, which they can. We're just facing a totally different level of of culture war than we were when when Schaefer wrote that classic. So, this is my attempt to update it. As best I can, uh, also with my own experience working in political circles and cultural engagement and what I've observed doing the show. And it's written for both individuals and small groups. There are discussion questions after every chapter. And this is really a how-to guide. How do we go out there and do what we believe? I think this is so important for the church right now because there's a lot of people who say that they believe and have always said that they believe in the hope of heaven. They're bold because of Christ. They have faith in Christ. They know that our outer selves are being, you know, they're wasting away. Our inner selves are being renewed day by day. These things that we all say as Christians, we're more than conquerors in Christ. And then Mm -hmm. COVID hit and we saw a lot of people and are still seeing a lot of people mimic the paranoia of the world. Not to say that there is no reason for concern when it comes to sickness or something that is contagious. Of course, there is. But we saw a lot of people acting just as afraid, uh, just as paranoid, just Mm -hmm. as anxious as a world who believes that this life is all there is. And we're seeing the consequences of churches looking exactly like secular society in their behavior and response to COVID. We're seeing uh, in the Wall Street Journal, it says that church attendance is roughly 30% to 50% lower than it was before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, that Mm -hmm. was two years ago, 30% to 50%. And I just wonder if that's because a a lot of churches... Closed. A lot of churches closed their doors. A lot of churches now apparently are saying, sorry, we're only having services for people who are vaccinated. I wonder if that has something to do with the lower attendance and what kind of long term consequences the absolute fear of the church will have on society. Well, when you have a when you have a system that is predicated, uh, Ali, <clears throat> pardon me, sorry, it's early for me to talk this much. Uh, <laughs> when you okay. have a when you have a system that is predicated on God given rights <clears throat> and not mandate government mandated and recognized privileges, the idea that you're going to preserve that fundamental cornerstone truth of your society, God given rights, without a vibrant and active engagement and role from the church that is His representative. Corporately, not individually, we are, but corporately is his representative to a community and a culture or a country. Good luck with that. And it's not even all the points you made are absolutely, I think, valid. Let me let me add one, though, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to make church accessible. 
It's another thing to make it easy. Accessible and easy are not the same thing. Because what we also did was we kind of just said, you know, church doesn't literally mean gathering in the original Greek. It doesn't mean that. Uh, and and so, you know, just stay home, you know, and it, church is like Netflix and chill. You, know, you can participate passively. In other words, it's not special. We The church voluntarily branded itself as not special, that it's not really, you know, paramount. Uh, that you are, are here physically in this space, that we can do everything we typically do virtually, which is funny because this time of year, and you can see our studio set here is adorned uh, with the most wonderful time of the year. This time of year, we sing and we recognize and we celebrate that that God did not keep it virtual, uh, that God did not send a Zoom call uh, from on high, uh, that that he put himself into human form that he nursed like a human baby did. He dirtied his diaper like a human baby does. That, that he needed to be burped. He needed to be taught to speak, to walk, to function. Uh, he needed to be uh, turned, become literate. That he had to go through all the same things we as humans have to. We celebrate the fact that God made himself accessible. And doing that wasn't easy. It required him to basically leave paradise uh, and and circulate here amongst a bunch of sinful meat bags and sweat like they do and hunger and thirst like we do. Uh, I mean, th- th- and that's sort of the model that we are to be uh, as his church to the world. We are accessible, but we are not easy. We have branded ourselves that it's not special to come and commune here any longer. It's not, it's not special to participate any longer. You just sit there, you chill out on the couch, you keep it safe, and we'll bring the product to you. And I think that's also factored into this. Yep. John 1, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. We call him Emmanuel because that means God with us. I guess he could mm-hmm. have perhaps stayed on high and just issued the decree and issued some kind of form of redemption that didn't involve a bloody sacrifice. Uh, obviously, we knew that he was going to because of Old Testament prophecy. But as you said, he is God made flesh. He dwelt among us and um, he was in person. He was in form of redemption. He wasn't just a message decreed on high. And I do think we forget that. I am curious before I get to my question about the metaverse church, which I don't know if you've seen this or not, but I feel like you would have a take on it. Mm. Uh, Before we get to that, I do want to just encourage people to go to, uh, there are many places that they can get your book, do what you believe or you won't be uh, free to believe it much longer. But if you don't want to get it from Amazon, you can go to a place like conservativereaders.com. They've got it there. There are a variety of places where they can get your book, correct? Correct. The publisher always wants me to promote Amazon. <clears throat> because that's the number one most recognized uh, sales yeah. mechanism nowadays. And over 80% of books in America are sold there. But you bet. I mean, anywhere that you can find it would be great. But uh, Amazon is the place that the publisher always says, make sure you promote Amazon. So there Yeah. You know. And hey, that's a good thing. Even though we don't love Amazon, we want people to see books like this on the list and on the top charts. And we want more people to read it. So if that's the place where you want to get it, then Amazon is great too. Okay. So speaking of what we were talking about, I know we're going to get into some COVID stuff in a second, but I saw this pastor um, promote basically a metaverse church where people can go to church, not not just um, not just online. So you're not just watching a sermon online. I don't know if you saw this or not, but you're basically like a Sims character where you are 
you see your character on the screen going in and sitting down and congregating with people, having, you know, digital coffee and things like that. And I saw, I mean, we're not talking about progressives here. We are talking about people who probably see themselves as conservative evangelicals praising this and saying this is great. I guess I get it on the one hand, like you are using whatever means possible to reach people. On the other hand, my thought is, okay, how can you really fellowship, get to know people, hold people accountable for their sin, encourage one another take communion, baptize one another through the metaverse, which are all commands that we are given in scripture. What do you think about that? Uh, It goes back to what we were just talking about. You know, I'm not even a big fan, frankly, taking a a step down. I don't like it when churches franchise, Mm. right? Uh, And where, well, we're at one church in many locations. Okay, but that doesn't mean that there's a local pastor there that is preaching and teaching a congregation. Right. Apparently, you couldn't find anybody in the ancillary suburb that God could possibly call. You're just such a special teacher. You're just so uniquely gifted that we had we had to franchise you out like Krispy Kremes or McDonald's fries. We couldn't find somebody local to shepherd the people. Uh, you couldn't plant a church. Uh, you just had to plant more of yourself. You had to expand your brand. I'm not even a fan of that, okay? Um, because so much of this is the local church is the pri- is God's primary entry point of discipleship, of discipling the nations. Uh, It's the primary contact point to the world is the local church. Uh, And that is a very tangible transaction. We are materialistic beings uh, on a spiritual path. We require, therefore, a materialistic, natural connection. That's why going back to, you know, you quoting from, from, from the New Testament there, Emmanuel, God with us. That's why God came here. And before that, he physically manifested himself as pillars of smoke, uh, burning bushes, consuming fires, because we uh, he and he sent the Holy Spirit to individual prophets, because we require that level of tangible connection as materialistic beings in a fallen world. The idea that we would now just remove that, and we wouldn't do that, by the way, to, to for some, you know, pietistic, spiritual, hyper-spiritual conversation that we can have is this moving us to a place of deeper spirituality, but instead for further uh, convenience, again, yeah. to make it easy to participate. Uh, that it's that to me, I just find, uh, I find that every bit as threatening, frankly, as open heresy, at least with an open heresy, I can confront it head on. At least with an open heresy, St. Nicholas can get up at the Council of Nicaea and pimp slap Arius a couple of times, okay? <laughs> with this kind, of, and that literally happened, by the way, for people that want to know what I'm referencing, uh, in this, with this kind of, of softened her- heretical or unorthodoxy or deorthodoxy, as maybe is a better word, to me, that's even more threatening because it, it's there's a reason why we're warned against wolves in sheep's clothing and not wolves. When you see the fangs and claws of a wolf, you instinctively know what to do as a person. It's when it comes dressed, when it shows up at Little Red Riding's house, Little Red Riding Hood's house, and it's dressed in grandmother's garb, that's when you let it in. Mm. I also think about the fact that the church is the bride of Christ, and in the same way we're, that you wouldn't have a metaverse marriage, uh, it seems to me that it's just <laughs> right. as illogical that you would be able to have a metaverse true relationship with the church. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work like that. If God wanted us well to exist digitally, yep. he would have created us that way, but he did create us in the flesh, and as you said so well, 
Jesus is God made flesh. So that to me tells us something about how we are to interact with one another as the body of Christ. We're also called the body of Christ. There are so many different parts of this. We're not the avatar of Christ. Right. Right. We're not. Exactly. We're not the screenshot of Christ. We're the body of Christ. Okay, cool. Right. Right. Exactly. There are so many different pieces. I knew you would have a good take on it. Okay. Let's move to, uh, let's move to some COVID stuff. I'm sure that you feel like me, like, I'm tired of talking about COVID. I just yes. I just wish yeah. that we didn't have to talk about it anymore. And yet there are some people that their fear truly is renewed and refreshed every time a new variant comes around. Apparently this variant, though, is less deadly, but more transmissible than previous variants. I honestly don't know. What do you know, Steve? What I know, you know, I feel like Led Zeppelin. I just don't want to play Stairway to Heaven anymore, even though everybody keeps requesting it. I know. Okay? I mean, I know. Talking, talking about this and, and the way we have approached this subject on our show has literally tripled our audience in the last year and a half. And and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. <laughs> because, however, I, I it's it's the Godfather part three. Every time I think that I'm out, they pull me back in. Right. 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 So now I am I am actually maybe ecstatic isn't the right word, intellectually uh, stimulated, peaked by Omicron. Mm. And, and I think this is something that your audience needs to know is that Omicron is more than a variant. It is a control group. And here's why. Omicron is going to be quite the revealer here in the U.S. in the next few months. So if you look at South Africa, where they claim Omicron uh, originated, which I don't believe, by the way, but but I'll even use, as I've often used their own data against them, I will, I'll use their own narrative, their own origin story against them. All right, so South Africa has already kind of seen its epidemiological peak with Omicron. And, and, and now keep in mind, people like to say, well, they have less obese people in, in South Africa. And that is true, Allie. And one of the reasons why is because 55.5% of the population of South Africa is below the poverty line. Mm. So it's not like they're just throwing plates around 24 hours a day there at Planet Fitness there in Johannesburg. Okay, mm. uh, they're, they're not healthy the other way. They're starving in that country. The average male life expectancy, and we know that COVID hits men harder than women. The average male life expectancy in, in South Africa is 64.1 years. In the United States, it is 78.9. That is 15 years. That's a massive right. difference yeah. in the 21st century. It is not a healthier population. Also, only one out of four people in South Africa are double jabbed. In the continent, only 17% of the continent has been double jabbed or more. So this is a low jab. I don't even use the term vaccination anymore. These aren't vaccines in that. That's why they had to change the definition. They do not stop you from getting the virus or spreading it. They're not inoculations. They're not immunizations. Uh, They're a form of a prophylaxis therapeutic. Frankly, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are, they just inject a different technology into you. Right. So um, they're they're not jabbed. They're they're not healthy. They're poorer, much poorer than we are. And yet, the death rate from Omicron in South Africa is extraordinarily low as cases surge. Well, now originally here in the U.S. this summer and and in the West, in the U.K., everywhere in the West this summer, Delta looked like the same thing. And I can go back and show you all kinds of media articles from July and August saying. You know, Delta symptoms often, you know, present themselves as a as a cold. What happened? Why Delta then became more serious? Why? Well, Omicron is about to reveal that to us. 
because if it if the same thing happens with Omicron as it asser, as it asserts itself, especially now with northern seasonality here in the U.S., what we what we're seeing right now with Omicron is we don't we, I think we have uh, two people that have died with it in the U.S. total, uh, and then <clears throat> something like you're five times more likely to have uh, om- have tested positive for Omicron if you're double jabbed than if you had natural immunity. You're you're more than two times more likely to have tested positive for Omicron if you're triple jabbed than if you had natural immunity. So we are seeing natural immunity hold up against Omicron. We are not seeing the pharmaceutical jabs hold up against it. And the, what, what Omicron is going to show us is if it remains mild here, <clears throat> then we have then Omicron is the control group that shows us that the virus is attenuating and that the pandemic is essentially over. That doesn't mean COVID is over. The flu is not over. Rhinovirus isn't over. RSV isn't over. Okay, but the pandemic phase of this operation is over. The virus is now attenuating down as viruses typically do when they mutate. And that's what we've, we're seeing in South Africa. If, however, it, it goes the way of what, of, of what Delta did, that it grows stronger the, the further it penetrates into the population, then we have another control group. And we're going to have to look at two questions as to why that is. A, is it because we have erroneously attempted to vaccinate into a pandemic? And therefore, from an evo- a, a small e evolutionary standpoint, we have presented a weaker a weaker vessel against a mutation against a, 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 an outbreak and a strain causing the mutations to grow stronger rather than weaker. That does happen. <clears throat> it's sometimes referred to as antibody-dependent enhancement or a leaky vaccine. And then we also have to look at places in Africa. What are they doing for early treatment there? Uh, prophylaxis, over-the-counter things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. One of the reasons there's so little jabbed over there is that they, a lot of these countries cannot afford them. Uh, and so they, a lot of them are using early treatments that are cheaper and more available, antiparasitics, like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine that they're trying to stop you from using here in the United States. Either way, Omicron is going to reveal a truth to us that either the virus is attenuating and the pandemic phase is over, and therefore, as the Democrat governor of Colorado recently said, quote, the emergency is over, end unquote, or that it is growing stronger as, as Delta did when it came to the West. And then we have to ask ourselves, why? What are we doing? To, what, similar to India, where Delta came from. It was originally called the Indian variant. What, did, what are we doing differently here than in India? Well, India, except for a couple of its largest population states, used early treatments like ivermectin. It's a very low vaccinated country. So right. we would have the same questions to confront here in the U.S. And we're going to sit here over the next few months with northern seasonality. Yep. And I think that we are seeing some people realize, even some Democrats realize that, as the Colorado governor said, the emergency is over. And yet in some places that are not seeing an emergency level of new deaths or cases or hospitalizations, we are Mm -hmm. seeing them increase restrictions. We're seeing that in places like Ireland. We're seeing the UK. They just decided to use vaccine passports. We're seeing Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. In Mm -hmm. the Scandinavian countries, which is very frightening, considering we've looked to a place like Sweden as a as a bastion of freedom and common sense over the past couple years. Um, Obviously, they've got camps in Australia and I believe New Zealand as well. That Some mm-hmm. people are saying, oh, it's fine. You get Netflix and things like that. But you're literally, you're not allowed to leave. You don't have any, you don't right. have any liberty. You don't 
have any choice. And even people who are testing negative for COVID are even in some cases being put in these camps. And so um, and then, of course, you've got new mask mandates in places like California, in places like New York, since those have worked so well in the past. You've got vaccine mandates in places like L.A. I think that they just deferred the deadline for that until fall of 2022, because that's what you do when there's a health emergency. You can defer the thing that you're saying. Exactly. Is fix health emergency this is so it's so fall. adamant that we do all of this, which that yeah. we have to postpone it for uh, uh, 10 months. Exactly. So yes. what's going on here? What's going on? Why? Why is this happening if the emergency is over? It's because you're 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 seeing a confluence of belief systems within a uh, within one singular worldview, and they are in conflict now with one another. And they are right now the dominant, shall I call it, strain or mutation in charge of a lot of the urban sectors, large urban sectors of the country, and in charge of Washington D.C. And so there is sort of this political reality, guys. We're going to lose eighty bleeping seats next year if we don't stop this. Okay. I mean, you're, we're going to see, I mean, Stacey Abrams isn't going to lose by just 50,000 votes in Georgia this time. Okay. She's going to lose by 150,000 votes. Um, we're going to lose the Senate. We're going to lose everything if we don't stop this. I think the Colorado governor, who is in one of the last few truly 50-50 purple states left in the country, uh, I think he is, because of the demographics he is uh, confronted with, is forced to accept a certain level of reality that Democrats in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles and a lot of other places usually aren't. Now, even in Los Angeles, as you mentioned, there was so, so much pushback, particularly amongst the minority communities, against you have to vaccinate kids to put them to school, that they put this off to the next school year. Uh, which, as you pointed out, it, it, it's just laughable. This is such an emergency that we just won't we won't go there for ten more months. That just goes to show you this is all political calculation. Right. Markers are being set. Ground is being taken, and and stakes are being planted in in what your new normal will look like. What is the new precedent that you will permit and you will allow? You are watching a hyper balkanization. The country is not politically polarized. It is balkanized. This is an American Yugoslavia. All right, we have completely opposite notions of culture and reality and truth, not just political differences. Uh, that 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 Venn diagram of right and left has been utterly and undeniably destroyed. You've you've got famous people, you know, now uh, famous chefs, celebrities, Elon Musk moving their operations out of California and to places like your home state of Texas. Because they may be to the left of us, but they still believe in a little thing called reality, okay? And and what you're watching is that there is a spirit of the age that has overtaken much of the American left. Not all of it, which is why we're seeing people like Bill Maher is literally, Bill Maher is doing the kinds of shows I've done with Republicans for many years. Basically, yeah. you know, come now, let us reason together. You know you're going to get creamed if you do this, right? Okay? He's trying to do that now to his party, Okay. And so you have people like Bill Maher, Andrew Sullivan, Elon Musk, Dave Chappelle. These are these are you know these are not people wearing uh, Team Alley and Team Steve from a worldview standpoint. But but they don't believe in completely abandoning reality either. And they're attempting to wrestle with the spirit of the age that has overtaken much of their party. And and that internal di di dialectic uh, and, and conflict will continue until we have an election. And what I think will will occur here 
is 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 more and more this year you will see more and more red states and red areas completely break away from this uh, or mean next year and then you'll have an election and the democrats will get annihilated it will be just to some extent to what extent the annihilation occurs and i think shortly thereafter in, in after that occurs uh in the in the in the first or second quarter of 2023 after this new congress is ushered in and new governors are ushered in i think you'll see much of what i call covid stan pretend like none of this ever happened and just pivot away from this into whatever their new talking point, new crisis is, uh, and and just try to get off this train as much as they possibly can. But right now, they're conflicted because much of their own base, not all of it, you know, not everybody who's a who's a branch Covidian is a Democrat, but or not every Democrat is a branch Covidian, but everybody, pretty much everybody who's a branch Covidian is. So so they're they're internal fighting within their own within their own ecosystem. When 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 they get annihilated for that fight, then you'll see team reality within their ranks just completely break free and move on with their lives. And then you'll see you know, branch team branch Covidian will have to just figure out what the new uh, emergency is, what the new crisis is, what the new climate change is, and it'll go back to uh, sort of the the political reality we knew pre-COVID. That's what I believe will happen unless what Geert Bosch, who's an award-winning vaccinologist who's worked for the Gates Foundation. Uh, unless what he is trying to warn the world uh, that that we are going to do if we keep trying to vaccinate into this pandemic, unless that occurs and pray that it does not. OK, I, I keep I keep What's telling that? people in my audience that is that that our vaccination attempts are make are creating the very superbug we were told at the beginning yeah. COVID was going to be. You know, right, that I is that a, up. I am so not an epidemiologist and I don't pretend to be an epidemiologist. I'm like you. I, you know, I look at the data. Mm-hmm. I talk to people who are smarter than me, who are epidemiologists. And I wondered aloud, you know, in the beginning of this, could it be that vaccination is actually helping to create the new variants as these as the virus is looking for a suitable host. That just kind of seems logical to me based on what we know about mm-hmm. epidemics. And of course, I was told that that is some kind of anti-vax conspiracy. You're so stupid. You right, don't understand right. how science works. But no one was ever able to explain to me how that is not at least a possibility. Um, they, they just, just gave you a talking point. Yes, yeah. of course. Yes. And so... Yeah, just hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah, I think a lot of people were wondering that who don't even have the expertise that he does. I mean, there's a, there's a clip going around. Your audience has probably seen. They may not know. They may be sharing it and not realize that it's from last year. It's a clip of Fauci talking to yes. Mark Zuckerberg on a Zoom call about this very phenomenon. And then people share it thinking that this happened recently and they find out it was last year and they think, oh, so it's not relevant. Uh, it's the opposite. It's actually more relevant. Meaning before the all that before the billions of dollars from Operation Warp Speed kicked in, before the incessant the incessant assault on of commercials you see in every break, do we advertise anything else in America other than these vaccines when you watch a commercial? Okay. The, before all of that, all of that money machine and that printing came in and the big tech censorship and everything else, you know, if I would have said six months ago on social media, that the early data, the early data trend I, sh- I see shows waning efficacy. We'll be talking not just about third shots, but fourth shots by the end of this year. I'd have been banned from every single dang platform in America of significance, and yet here we are. See, it's actually more significant that Fauci said all this last year before this, the big tech fascism censorship and big, and we're now the United States of Pfizer began, and every product they put out has a they report has a hundred percent efficacy, and literally every dang 
media outlet in America just rips and reads their press releases without any skepticism or scrutiny as if, you know, uh, so say we all. See, yeah. that's when he was telling you the truth. All right. Before we were all bought, weighed, measured and found wanting. It's actually more relevant that he said this before the vaccines hit. Why isn't he saying that now? What is the benign, rational explanation for why we are going to see more deaths this year than last? What is it? There were no vaccines last year. There were no early treatment protocols last year. Things like remdesivir, which doesn't work, by the way, and it the monoclonal actively ad- harmful. Yes, it is. It, it causes more renal failure than it than it actually causes success. Or or the monoclonal antibodies. They were originally a brand name called Regeneron. There's other versions of it now. These things weren't even approved until November of last year. So we didn't have any of these approved treatments. We didn't have people like Pierre Corey that you had on your show a couple of months ago, and Dr. Peter McCullough forming their own own co-ops of healthcare to do ivermectin in early treatment protocols. None of this existed last year, Allie. None of it did. No early treatment protocols, no independent healthcare co-ops to provide them when the mainstream healthcare system didn't want to, and no no attempts at vaccination. And yet we're going to see far more deaths and mortality this year than last. There is no benign, innocent explanation for that. All the potential answers to that are bad, which is why we better hope that when Omicron shows itself uh, as the revealer and control group that I talked about, that it shows itself as an attenuating virus and it doesn't go the way of Delta. If we see a second consecutive strain do what Delta did, that is a very bad sign. And, And we need to start having a serious conversation about ending mass vaccinations, going back to square one. This is why I keep reasserting natural immunity because the herd immunity is the point of a vaccination program. The point of a vaccination program is to coincide with natural immunity to get us to herd immunity as fast as we can with the least amount of, of, of healthcare loss and loss of life. That's the point. Yet now they're telling us that herd immunity isn't possible. Well, if it's not possible, then what is, then what is the point of your vaccination program? What are we actually doing here? If Omicron does not attenuate and it grows stronger as Delta, we need to cease mass vaccinations. We need to go back to square one and focus our vaccination efforts on vulnerable populations and reassert natural immunity and do this the way we have done this prior to COVID since the late eight, the late 1800s when we first started, or the late 1700s when vaccines began and go back to herd immunity, which is how we sustained ourselves as a species with outbreaks for thousands of years before we even had vaccines. I can hope against hope that that will happen. It's hard to believe with all of the corruption and the manipulation and the dishonesty Uh, that goes on in our media class and in our pharmaceutical class that something like that, that that kind of reversal could happen, but we can hope and we can pray. Um, There's more that I want to talk to you about there, but I want to talk to you lastly, since we've got to close about the filming of your book that is now being filmed as a movie in Oklahoma, the nefarious, a nefarious plot. Um, What's going on there? There's been some kind of debacle (laughs) in the filming process. Well, if you if you if you know anything about films uh, from even the mainstream back in the day, that horror films that presented evil realistically and biblically, uh, like The Exorcist or The Omen, uh, from when I was a little kid. I mean, the the stories of the 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 problems that they had making these films, plane crashes, disasters bombings. Uh, Everything was done to stop these films, almost as if an entity or a force somewhere didn't want a mainstream audience to become aware of its presence and fully exposed to it because then they might get scared straight. 
Well, we're attempting to do that with a nefarious plot. It's a book about a demonic takeover of America. And and we are adapting it to a film right now in Oklahoma with the team that did Unplanned. Uh, that was the very successful award-winning pro-life film from 2019. This is their their next movie. And they come out of mainstream Hollywood and they've always wanted to do sort of an omen exorcist, but a PG-13 version of those classic horror films that show mainstream America real evil to be afraid of. Okay. Uh, and and teach and maybe kind of wreck your soul a little bit. There's one of the one of the greatest growths of in Catholic confirmations in the 20th century actually came after viewing The Exorcist when that movie came out in 1973. Wow. So so they want they kind of want to emulate that model. So of course though when you go down that road of shining that light in the darkness, the darkness does not like that. So we've had to face an ad hoc attempt to unionize on our state or on our set in a right to work state, strikes in a right to work state um, with a not with a union that doesn't even have a local in the state calling a union that doesn't have a local in the straight in the state calling strikes from New York and Austin, Texas uh, in a right to work state. So I had to, I guess we'll say, uh, encourage uh, the, re- the, the Republican majority in Oklahoma to uphold their right to work law. Uh, over the last week as I was down there, we actually just had the the a guy who was basically a spy for the union to infiltrate our production. We found out that he had run off with a couple of our props. Wow. So we had to go back at him and threaten him with a police report unless he returned them. Oh, nice. I mean, it's just we, our directors both got COVID so seriously in August when we were supposed to film. They were hospitalized for weeks. Oh, so we're goodness. kind of making our own the making of nefarious video. We're building one heck of a testimony. <laughs> to get this movie made right now. Sounds like there uh, is a lot of perhaps even spiritual opposition. To... Sure. I think a lot of it is spiritual opposition. Yes. yes. Well, um, I'm excited for the completion of this project. I am sure that it will be completed and that it will be awesome when it is. Um, all right. That's all we have time for today. Uh, remind everyone where they can listen to your show. Uh, just look for it on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon. Uh, you can go to blazetv.com slash Dace if you want to watch it. I don't talk about that place that censors me all the time. So if you want to get free clips of the show, go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And there is still time to get a copy of the new book if you want to uh, do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer if you want to get one to somebody or yourself before Christmas. Yeah, great Christmas present. Also a great gift for maybe your small group as well. This sounds Mm -hmm. like a a good book to talk through with people in your church. All right. Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on. You bet. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you, Allie. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I've got one more sponsor for the day and then a quick outro, and then we will be out. Uh, I got to tell you guys, of course, about Good Ranchers. And so if you are still buying your Christmas presents, which totally feel you, I still am. I've got a couple more that I'm still looking to buy, uh, you need to give someone that you love in your life the gift of Good Ranchers. That is Kraft Beef, better than organic chicken from exclusively American farms. It's from a company uh, run by people who are conservative and who love the country. And more importantly than that, they also love Jesus. So there are so many wins to supporting Good Ranchers in the American farms that they get their meat from. They've got that better than organic chicken. They've got that craft beef, all different kinds of cuts of meat. You can buy one box and, you know, get your meat to your front door, all that good stuff. Or you can get 
a uh, a subscription and so you get the box of meat every month we get all of our meat from good ranchers love good ranchers last night i made some good chicken soup some chicken noodle soup with my non-premarinated chicken from good ranchers and it was super easy and just super convenient love good ranchers if you use my link goodranchers.com slash ally you get 20 dollars off and free express shipping or you can use code ally at checkout give a gift they'll remember for years to come get your good ranchers box or gift card today tis the season for open hearts and full stomachs so give good ranchers with my code ally for 20 dollars off and free shipping just go to goodranchers.com slash ally or use code ally at checkout to take advantage of this special holiday offer today goodranchers.com slash ally goodranchers.com slash ally Okay, guys, so tomorrow I will be uh, talking about Santa Claus and how I think that we as Christian parents should approach Santa Claus. It'll also be kind of a theological episode, just getting us ready for Christmas and getting our minds right and reminding us about what Christmas is and what it's about and what the true message of Christmas should be. And so we will be covering that tomorrow. And then just as a reminder, uh, for the next two weeks, only two new episodes will come out, one Tuesday, one Thursday. Next week will be Christmas-themed episodes. The next week after that, I'll be having two very interesting conversations with two very brilliant people who are going to teach us a lot. The week after that, the first week of January, we will have no new episodes come out. So my team and I are going to take about three weeks off to uh, rest and refresh, spend time with our families, and enjoy the holidays. I encourage you to do the same. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you love love this podcast. That would mean a lot to us. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas. And I'll be saying Merry Christmas tomorrow too, but I've already recorded that episode. So I feel like as I'm recording this, I have to tell you Merry Christmas and I'm kind of saying goodbye. All right. I will see you guys back here tomorrow. <laughs>